You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. What is up? Ah, good to be back. Had an uh, incredible time together for the past several weeks with uh, family and some friends. I, um, I can't thank you guys enough for the gift of a month just to get focused and honestly to get filled back up. Uh, we spent some time, Jenny and I uh, went with some friends uh, to Charleston area with no kids, so uh, that was incredible. And, and the little place that we were there, there was a, a beach that if you filled out for a permit, you could have a fire on the beach. That was our first experience of having a fire on the beach. So 7 o'clock till 10 o'clock, like fire on the beach music. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm not the best with sun, so I go out at night on the beach. So that's, that's kind of my jam. Uh, then our family went, um, spent a little time here, but then we went out west together, the four of us, and created some incredible memories. Uh, probably the highlight you guys wouldn't get, but feeding wild burrows that had been left there like from the 1700s, and now they're just wild. Uh, we'd feed them apples. We found them. They said, you'll be lucky to find them. Not only did we find them, we fed them. And uh, then we went to the airport. And Jenny forgot that she had that same knife with a sheath in her purse as we were going through the airport. So you can imagine what happened there. Uh, I got, I enjoy fishing out west and uh, like disappearing. And, and I went to an elevation of like, we were staying about 9,000. We'd fish 10 and 11. And then two days in a row I went to 12,000. And I got introduced to altitude sickness. It was awful. I mean awful, but worth it. Uh, but I am so glad to be back. I'm so glad to talk to you about a new series that we're starting called All In. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to let some of the things that I've learned leak in to the series. Uh, specifically today, I just, I really want to start talking about how to get where God wants you to be. Because what we're doing for these next few weeks is getting focused as a church to rally behind this semester because so much is at stake. And today in particular, I want to title the message, Rested Souls. To begin, I want to start with something that might surprise you. I can't wait if someone in this room recognizes this person on this picture. The first service had no idea. Anybody in here got an idea? Show of hands. Couple? Somebody scream it out. We're going to have fun in church. Scream. All right. I don't know if I heard it. Maybe this second picture will help. James Taylor. All right. Uh, we're used to seeing him maybe with some longer hair or no hair. But when I see this guy, I have, um, I've gone to several of his concerts, probably five or six. Anybody in this room been to one of James Taylor's concerts, right? Uh, incredible. Uh, one of the reasons I like him, I am fascinated with anyone that can continue to bring their best for a long, extended period of time. Like when we go to his concerts, uh, let's say June, in the June concert, he did a set list of 44 songs. Like the guy will give it everything he's got. He's 75 years old now. Been doing this for over 50 years and there'll be moments in the concert where the band will take a break, but, but James stays right there with the guitar and will do an acoustic set. Now, I have a fascination with guys like James. Doesn't matter if it's music, doesn't matter if it's sports, doesn't matter if it's business, doesn't matter if it's leadership or influence. But guys that continue to give their best again and again and again, over and over and over, and they make it through the long haul. Because one of the challenges of life isn't just doing what you do and showing up physically, but it's also showing up emotionally showing up relationally, socially, especially as a follower of Jesus. I have made this statement so many times about it's a principle that all of us need to embrace and realize often our greatest impact is made by doing the same thing 
with the same people and in the same place again and again and again. Like, let's highlight a couple. Some of you are parents of school kids, school-age kids. What's Monday morning look like? You wake them up, you get them dressed, you feed them, you take them to school. Ah. What about Tuesday? You wake them up, you get them dressed, you feed them, you get them to school. What's Wednesday? There is a pattern of routine with the same people at the same place. Again and again and again. How about coaches? Coaches of, um, of schools that are trying to shape the character of student-athletes. Uh, teaching them talents, teaching them discipline, teaching them teamwork, and using the same drills week after week, semester after semester. And when they look at the next year, it's the same drills they used the last year because there is this routine. I'm telling you, one of the greatest impacts is made by doing the same thing with the same people in the same place again and again and again, over and over and over. You can think about what you do. It's like that. Chances are it's redundant. It's routine. It's repetitious, but it's powerful. It is life-giving. You ready? But it can be exhausting. I mean, it just can. It'll take its toll. I want you to consider this. The very activity associated with your greatest effectiveness can also lead to your greatest exhaustion. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about the again and again and again, over and over and over, how you and I will continue to bring our best even if it's with the same people, the same place, doing the same activity over and over. On this break that I took, there are several things that I worked on, but one in particular was how do you refill an empty tank? It's one of the big things that I focused most on in July, and several books would shape it. And here's why. As a follower of Jesus, as a husband that loves Jesus, as a dad that loves Jesus, as a teacher, a pastor, as a leader, as a friend that loves Jesus, I'm responsible for pouring my life into others. No matter what you do as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are too. We're constantly pouring ourselves out. And since we're all responsible for pouring our lives into others, we better be good at filling ourselves back up. Uh, let me read a proverb from the Old Testament. This is from a section of Scripture called the wisdom literature. Listen to this. Proverbs 10, verse 5. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son. He's disciplined, hardworking. But he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. I, I can't help but wonder, why in the world would anyone sleep during harvest? I want you to use your head. Perhaps it's because they're really, really tired. Now, when we think about harvest, you and I can't get past kind of today's world. In today's world, uh, we use items like this to harvest. It's a combine. But, but think about combines. Like today's world, we got it made. Not really. It's hard work. But combines are air-conditioned. They've got sound systems, and they've got comfy chairs. But in the day and age that the book of Proverbs was written, in biblical times, didn't have combines. They would use this, a sickle. People use sickles today. Believe it or not, I've got one at the house. I use it for weeds, not for harvest. But think about, think about the habit of using a sickle for work, building off on this verse. I mean, think about the posture of the person that's using the sickle. They're, they're constantly bent over, nonstop squats, right? Doing it in the hot sun, and it's just to cut the grain. And cutting the grain is just step one. Um, from, carrying the, from cutting the grain, you would move to carrying the grain, and you would take it to this place. This is the threshing floor. 
The threshing floor is where the place uh, where all of it would be piled up to be separated. And you would use this, a threshing board, a threshing sled, one of the two. You would place rocks in that sled and it would be pulled behind an oxen or a donkey in the middle of the ring to separate things. Separate, separate the wheat from the chaff. And then you still weren't done. You would take a pitchfork. And you would lift it up into the air to separate it even more with the wind. And you would bend over and do this again and again and again. Over and over and over. Hundreds of times. And then you'd have a pile of grain. To which you may, may say, oh, and then you're done. No, you're not done. When you read some of the best stories in the Old Testament, you find that after people did this, they would sleep with the grain because all the neighboring territories would come in to steal it. So if you really think about this, the guy that's doing this again and again and again, over and over and over, the same people, the same place, same activity, common sense will tell you the very activity associated with their greatest effectiveness can also lead to the greatest exhaustion. So on behalf of taking care of our soul, learning to rest, I want you to think about this image. For some in this room, it may not represent you right now, but it could represent you right around the corner. Maybe it represents an element of your life, a side of your life that's eventually spilling into other areas. I think when you think about the things that you do with the people and the place and the repetition, when you pull yourself into others, periodically you find yourself getting drained. And I believe there are many people here that are tired. I'm thankful to serve here for 25 years. Five years ago I was gifted a month of sabbatical, but five years ago when that sabbatical happened, my wife in the middle of it was diagnosed with cancer. Surgeries and chemo and a church was right in the middle of a transition from one pastor to the next who could potentially be me or not be me. So that last sabbatical really wasn't a sabbatical for me, but it can be draining. And this one was refreshing. But understand it was refreshing because if you're in any type of leadership, if you have any type of responsibilities, if you're married, if you're a parent, you're always dealing with challenging situations, difficult decisions. Maybe you have to make hard presentations, or maybe you deal with difficult people. And over time, it can take, it can take its toll on you. I was discovering that there were patterns that I have embraced, ways of doing things in ministry. Honestly, the thing I was doing for God, the way I was doing things for God, was potentially destroying the work of God inside of me. And so I asked the question weeks ago as I started the sabbatical, how do I continue to bring my best? Again and again and again, over and over and over with the same people. For the most part, pretty much doing the same activities. In the same place. How do I continue not just to show up physically, but emotionally, relationally as a follower of Jesus Christ? And by the way, I'm not alone. Let's take someone in this room that sees patients for a living. Let's say it's a doctor. As I did my research, typically a doctor will see 20 patients a day. Let's say it's five days a week. That's 100 patients a week. That's 400 a month. After some time off, let's do the math. Let's say you get several weeks off a year. That's 4,400 patients a year. After 25 years, that's 110,000 patients. Meaning, you showing up, same place, same people, doing the same activity, asking the same question. Hey, what seems to be your challenge today? And over time, that can take its toll on you. 
It'll take its toll on parents. It'll take its toll on CEOs. It'll take its toll on athletes. It'll take its toll on everyone. And so what I want to do today is to talk about, okay, how do we continue to give our best as followers of Jesus? Like, how do we know when we're pouring ourselves into others, how do we remember that, that I've got to be good at filling myself up? And what is it that God wants me to do? Is there anything that God has given me to help me in this process? Well, I want to talk about three gifts, and then I want to give a word of caution. Three gifts that God has given every follower of Jesus to help us avoid this thing called burnout, to help us with taking care of the soul, to actually give us the rest that we need. I want to go back to the image, the image of the guy that's working hard. Proverbs says that guy is diligent, he's disciplined, He's doing what needs to be done day after day, again and again, same place, same people, same activity. But guess what? As a follower of Jesus on Saturday, you know what he does? He sleeps in. On Saturday, he puts the sickle down. The first gift that God gives everyone in this room to keep from getting overwhelmed, to keep from getting drained, is number one, a day of rest. It's called a Sabbath and it's interesting to play on words on what you gifted me, a sabbatical. Give me five weeks to rest, five weeks to learn, five weeks to read, and to kind of fill myself back up. It's soul care. And by the way, this is not an idea that's very deep in the Bible. It's one of the big ten. When the Bible addresses this issue of how to approach life, this is what God says. Make sure you take a day off during the week. Deuteronomy 5, verse 13. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Something about that verse ought to make you, if you don't already, like God. Like, man, he's saying everybody gets a day of rest? Do nothing? Like, a day of rest to break up a week of work. From God's point of view, when it comes to the days of the week, here's what he's saying. Go, 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 go. Stop. I mean, this is beautiful. It's called the Sabbath. It's a day of rest to help you and I keep from getting overwhelmed, to keep from getting too spent, to keep from getting exhausted. For me, let me tell you about my day of Sabbath. It's different from yours. It's typically a Wednesday, and it starts a Wednesday afternoon. Sometimes it's a Thursday. In other words, on that day, here's my statement. This day's effectiveness will not be measured by how much I do. That's what Sabbath is. Instead, it's a day I get to rather than a day that I have to. So I get to go to the river, take my dog. I get to play golf. I get to grill that night. I get to possibly take a nap. I get to watch a movie or a show. Take a walk, not worry about running. I get to listen to music. I get to spend an unrushed evening with family and friends when it's cold around a fire, but this time of year with lots of fans. I get to spend some time drawing. I get to read with no agenda. On my day of rest, this is what God has created for me to fill back up. Now, there's a challenge for all of us in this room when it comes to your day of rest and my day of rest. You have to be careful, I have to be careful not to switch to-do lists just because it's your day of rest. Meaning, you've got a work to-do list, a house to-do list. Be careful not to wait for your day of rest to just swap and pick up a house to-do list. Because it doesn't become a day of rest. You say, well, Tim, when am I going to do it? Well, to the best of your abilities, 
do the house to-do list on the same days that you do the work to-do list. I'll assure you of this. You will be really, really tired. You'll sleep well. And you'll rest well when it comes to the day of rest. The goal for your day of rest is this. There is nowhere I got to go. And there is nothing that I have to do. Instead, today is a day of get to. And this is a gift from God. Now, you might ask, well, Tim, how do you do on this? Well, let's be candid. If I'm completely honest, I get it right about 50% of the time. One of the reasons is because my, day, my family's day of rest is different from my day of rest. And I hate it. Like, they enjoy Saturdays. No offense, I hate Saturdays. My least favorite day of the week. I'm cramming. I've got nerves. I'm anxious. I'm not happy. Uh, I'd tell you what my family calls it, but I can't repeat it. Um, it's, it's just a difficult day. I, I turn everything in advance on Tuesdays, but my anxiety climbs on Friday, Saturday. Um, so it's difficult for me to match up with them. I, I only get it right 50% of the time because their day's different than mine. Guess what? Most of you, your day's different than mine. And truth be told, most of the world, their day of rest is different from mine. But if I'm not careful, and I don't have a day of rest, same for you. Let me tell you what your week looks like. Go, 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 go. And I hope for some of you right now, that's kind of a a kick in the gut. Thankfully, God designed a day of rest to replenish a week of work. And for those who make it the long haul, don't just show up physically, they show up socially, emotionally, relationally, as followers of Jesus Christ, they have learned one of the gifts that God gives them, and they're going to build it into their life is a day of rest. Number two, a gift from God is people of rest, meaning people around you that bring you lift, that get you up. So think about it. There aren't just days of rest. There are people of rest. In the Old Testament, one of the most disrupting stories that you can read centers around King David near the end of his reign. Um, There is kind of a coup attempt. What takes place is there is a leader, a a leader that wants to be the next leader after David, and he's attempting to win over the hearts of the people. But he's doing so by putting down David, and he's threatening David's life. The, The most difficult part of the story is this leader that's trying to make a coup is actually David's son, Absalom. So when your own son is threatened your life, you know it's going to be tough. David, friends, and some of his family, they, they hightail it out of there. They have to. Momentum swung the other way. They're trying to get as far as they can, as fast as they can. They don't have time to pack. They're scared. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They have left on the hurry. And three names show up in the middle of this story. Three names that probably aren't familiar to many of us. The names are Shobi, Makir, and Barzillai, three close friends of David and the friends and family, they show up to give him groceries. Second Samuel 17, verse 28, they also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey and curd, sheep and cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat. There is something deeply encouraging about that text. Understand that God sends people of rest And they said to David, we found you. You're not alone. You know, we talk about all in, how to get where God wants me to be. One of the things that you need to do that I have to do, I need to make it a priority this semester to get in a group. 
And there is joy that comes when you're in a room full of guys, like for myself, and they care for me, they love on me, they check up on me, we study together, we laugh together, we pray together. Wednesday night is an opportunity for you to take that step. Understand, that is an intentional step toward getting by people that bring rest. God gives us all people that bring us rest. I would say the majority of the people that give me rest, honestly, are much older than I do, than I am. They give me a perspective about life that, that I don't yet have. God may bring people of rest that are older than you, that are the same age as you, or younger than you. Friday, I'm spending time with a younger guy that's making some significant decisions. Maybe it's people that have the same interests as you, people that are just leaders that you look up to. Understand, there are people that bring you lift. And the problem is when we get drained, we're exhausted. They're with the same people, doing the same thing, at the same place, again and again and again. Eventually, we're tired of people. People wear you out. And if you're not careful, you can easily decide, no, I just want to go home. I want to get in the bed, pull the blinds, turn on the fan, and just binge shows or scroll on my phone. And understand what we're doing in those moments is intentionally pulling away from one of the gifts that God has given us, and that is people of rest. And by the way, before we move on, I want to say something about the people that you're with. If your friend group has a disposition toward complaint, anger, criticism, gossip, it's time to find a new friend group. Because all they're doing is draining you even more. The gift that God has given is days of rest, people of rest, and number three, the God of rest. Meaning God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, I want you to consider this in the middle of a hectic, demanding, busy, high-pressure, urgent, constant emergency situation. Jesus is meeting with the disciples in the Gospel of Mark, and he, he sheds light on them in this context. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that day, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, oh, these words are incredible. Come with me. By yourselves. To a quiet place and get some rest. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place. Get some rest. This is the gift. Let those words sink in. This is the gift of God Himself. And then you can't help but think, oh man, Matthew said this too. As Matthew was writing down what Jesus was teaching, Matthew's in the audience. Matthew chapter 11, this is what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hey, you know what the qualifications are for coming to Jesus? Be really, really tired. Anyone tired? Anyone exhausted? Anyone spent? Come to Jesus to find rest. I believe some in this room have found that rest. You're struggling with going back to that rest and making time for that rest. But I also am worried that many in this room have not found that rest. You're exhausted in your marriage. You're exhausted at work. You're exhausted as a parent. You're trying things to find filling that, that will never provide. And on behalf of pouring yourself out, if you're pouring yourself out and not filling yourself up, uh, you are going to struggle. Understand, the most beautiful picture of pouring yourself out wasn't done by any human being. It was done by the God-man, Jesus himself. 
poured himself out for all of mankind. And he even said his motive for doing it. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you think about why we pour ourselves out. Some of us do it to prove ourselves. Some of us do it to get recognized. Some of us do it to get rewarded. Some of us do it, we pour ourselves out to get noticed, to get promoted. But understand, all of those things that we pour ourselves out for when it's in and of ourselves and not for Christ, all of those things that we want have been gifted to us in the person of Jesus. That is the gift that he gives of himself. Understand, simple terms. He gave his life for me in order to give his life to me. And so the gifts that God gives for those that are getting tired, when you're wore out and you're like, man, I don't know if I can keep going. He's like, you can. And I've given you, I've given you a few things to help. It's a day of rest. It's people of rest. And it's the God of rest. Before we close, I want to give a word of caution. It's likely to, to disrupt some of you. It may get you mad. But I want you to hear me out. We live in a time when there's a longing for more leisure. And less rest. So what do you mean by that? Leisure is simply free time. We live in a day and age that there is a longing for more free time and less biblical rest. If leisure is free time, what is rest? It's an act of faith to set aside a full day every week. To stop. To cease. To set the sickle down. To delight in the things that he's given. And to worship God himself. In this day of rest, it's a beautiful day of rest. The words of John Mark Comer, he's highlighted what this day of rest does for all of us. It brings margin opposed to busyness. Causes us to slow down instead of hurry. It brings quiet instead of noise. It brings delight instead of distraction. Enjoyment instead of envy. Gratitude instead of greed. Contentment instead of being discontent all the time. A day of rest, it brings working from love, not working for it. It brings peace, not anxiety. When I mentioned all the things that I do to find that rest in Jesus on that day of rest, with people of rest, with the God of rest, understand there is something that I did not mention, and this is where it gets bothersome. I didn't mention that. I like my phone. I capture some pretty good moments with the phone. I've got good memories on the phone. I can scroll at night with my family on the phone and we giggle at some of the stupidest videos. We laugh till it hurts. But by and large, the phone has contributed itself against rest. I took a big break from the phone for the last several weeks. There are guys in this room, there are things that I've read, there are things that I've done to slowly break the grip that the phone has on me. I'm reminded, because it's the enemy of rest, I am reminded for myself and the phone. I say, you are my servant, I am not your slave. We are rapidly approaching a time where we are less and less capable of face-to-face conversation because everything is happening with our thumbs. It's destroying. There is nothing on the phone to foster deep and meaningful relationships. The device that is designed for connection has encouraged shallow 
superficial and fake connection, and we think it's where it's at. One of the books that I read in this time away is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. The first half of the book is academic. Don't read it. second half of the book is very practical. It's kind of like a, a Patrick Lencioni book. You know that first half, if you read them, uh, kind of a story, twist, turns, but you get to the second half and it really presses in. One of the things that I jotted down for me to remember to build in my life on behalf of the phone is this. Rather than scheduling times to put the phone down, I'm scheduling times to pick the phone up. And it's changing everything. I needed to be, needed to be reminded of that in the last several weeks because I was crippled. And not only did I need to be reminded of that, I need to be reminded if I'm going to finish well, to give my best again and again and again, over and over and over with the same people, the same thing, in the same place, I can't just show up physically. As a follower of Jesus, i got to be there relationally and emotionally in order to do it. He's gifted me with some things to keep me from being exhausted, to give me soul care. It's a day of rest. It's people of rest. And there are some of those people in this room right now. And it's the God of rest. And let me tell you why it's so important for me. Because deep inside me, I've got some worries about me. I've got some fears. I don't want anyone to ever say, man, he pastors a great church, but he's not a great dad. I don't want anyone to say he's a good teacher, but he's not a kind person. I don't want anyone to say he's made some great decisions, but he's not his wife's best friend. I'd be miserable if I heard he's obviously called to ministry. He just doesn't like people. Or he loves Jesus. I don't think he enjoys life. That scares me to death. And those statements are made about a man or a woman that's poured themselves out but does not know how to fill themselves up. Understand, we're all in the same boat. As followers of Jesus, he's given us all the same gifts. A day of rest. Find a Sabbath. Day to put the sickle down. Find people of rest. People will show up and bring you groceries. People will show up and say, Man, I just wanted to check on you. I want you to know you're not alone. In the God of rest, Jesus says, Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and you will find rest. Let's close with these words in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. No doubt that describes some of us. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and then learn from me. Not from culture, not from the world. Learn how I did it. Look at what he says. For I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. You want to learn to be gentle and humble? Come to me. That's what Jesus says. He'll give you himself. And then he says, and you will find rest for yourself. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to ask a question. Anybody really tired? Don't raise your hand. Chances are you know it. People you love know it. 
I just want to bring it to your attention. You don't have to be drained dry. He's given some gifts. You're going to have to embrace them. Do whatever it takes to find a day of rest. Show up Wednesday night to find some people of rest. And learn to experience the God of rest. Come with me, Jesus says, by yourself to a quiet place. There, you'll find rest. This past month, I've listened to a song that Jonathan introduced to me. And I played it on repeat over and over in the month of July. I asked Jonathan today if he would sing the song. I want to ask you to stay seated. Maybe keep your eyes closed. Maybe open them. Because it's your song. You need that kind of rest. And God, I want to pray that this song, the words from your word, would bring relief. They bring hope. They would bring rest to tired and exhausted people. Help us to finish well. And I pray this in Jesus' name.